Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds, to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. And welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast. If you notice, it is not Mo here today. It's me, Darren, and Tracy. Tracy Rogers. Hi, Darren. Hi, Tracy. Tracy is a Bible teacher, and it has been too long since she's been with us. I got coroned. And, and by the way, Mo has not been coroned. Um, I don't know if Mo has the immune system of a 12-year-old boy, but <laughs> but somehow he has managed once again to um, to avoid getting coroned. So, uh, but he's got a cough and I, he sounded like he needed to change brands of cigarettes. And so I just thought, you know, either we can let him pound Marlboros and teach the Bible or we just let him take the day off. So Mo, we miss you. Uh, pray that you get feeling better uh, soon. And, you know, you missed your immunity, uh, <laughs> your antibodies for this one. Uh, today, Tracy is with me. We are going to go through uh, chapter 15. Uh, which I covered uh, of Revelation. I covered, uh, I sort of did a flyover with it on Sunday. Um, but Tracy, as you have been, I mean, I guess in general right now, we've been in the book of Revelation for a few months. You have been with us in all of our sermon prep meetings. You have been a vital voice in that. Like, what do you, what's God saying to you right now through Revelation in the season that we're in? Well, uh, before I answer that, I want to just say I I did have the opportunity to teach Revelation several years ago to my Sunday school class. And so it's been interesting to me to go back and look over my lessons that I wrote and what I taught. And uh, I found that when I reached about this part of Revelation, I just sort of skipped over it. I just really just jumped ahead and went right to millennial reign. Like, I don't recall exactly what was going on, but... I think at the time I was like, I'm just not sure I could keep doing wrath and wrath anymore. Like I, I I just, I'm sort of laughing that I don't have like the kind of detailed lessons that, that we're putting together. So on the one hand, I'm sort of laughing that I didn't do that before, but I've appreciated that we've been able to do that. What I have enjoyed seeing every time, every chapter is the connection to the rest of the Word of God. It's it's showing how everything is interconnected, how something God started at the beginning, He he threads it all the way through to the end. And it's not just something that we see in the Word. It's showing us that's who He is, that He started. He who began a good work in you will not stop until it is completed. And so you just begin to understand, like, it's a God of purpose. It's a God of planning and and even though we can't see what's going on and even though things look crazy revelation just continues to remind me it's a god of yesterday today and forever That's he knows good. everything and we can just continue to trust him in the uncertainty man that is so good um cuz if you i mean if you remember in a, a few weeks ago in our sermon prep meeting I think I was feeling that like I had a little bit of anger fatigue like wrath right. fatigue and I remember I was thinking well maybe we'll just We'll just skip right over. Right, right. How can we really do six months of wrath? Yes. I mean, someday they're going to have, you know, seven years of it. So, right. um, But man, so this is what I've appreciated about it is that even in that, the stuff that I don't necessarily, let me phrase it, the stuff that I didn't think that we wanted to cover, Mm -hmm. that as I have sat in it, um, it turns out that the word of God actually really is every, every word of it, right? Is for our correction, for our exhortation, for our betterment, for, and even to find the gospel mm-hmm. in the middle of stuff that I had not seen before. And, you know, it's funny, a long time ago when I, um, so, uh, so we were joking because I have my NIV Bible out here. You, people can't see this, but this Bible has been road hard and put up wet. Like it's, it's been through the ringer. It's been around the world with me. But I, you know, I bought it like in nineteen. I don't know. God only knows ninety one or whatever as a kid. And I had, 
uh, I bought the NIV because it was cheap. And, you know, but looking back, even at my notes from Revelation from then, because I started somewhere around 96 or 97, um, I had a faith crisis. Um, they call it deconstruction. Now it's really mm. in vogue, right? It's, which is really just demolishing your faith um, and, and leaving nothing to rebuild. But my, but part of my faith uh, crisis was I started over. I thought, okay, if I were just, if I had washed up on an island somewhere with a Bible and I just picked this up and read it, like, what would I think that it said and what would I think that it meant? And that's um, part of that was in Revelation even, and part of what recovered some of my faith was actually realizing that. Uh, well, first of all, this is brand new information to me. It's not a book. It's 66, right? right? Books and letters and poems. And so that was, you know, by 40 different authors and written over thousands of years and thinking, oh, and it all has this cohesive message. Right. That was part of what saved mm-hmm. uh, my faith even in the Bible. And part of what is I, I see even now when we go through line by line, you know, I thought I had invented expository preaching because when I started teaching, <laughs> I didn't know that I didn't know that it was even called anything. I just thought, well, we'll just start in, Revel- in, Gen- in Genesis, actually, the Bible study that I led like twenty years ago, and we'll just go through it. You know, and, I, and and then later I would learn to come to find out that things that I would see in the Bible there were actually words for it that they'd come up with at seminary. You know, uh, but that it, the, but the purest form of it was just reading it. And so that said. Coming back to it again in Revelation and just seeing, okay, even in like blood up to the bridle of a horse for yeah. for 180 miles, that that there's actually there's gospel in it all, and that's what I feel like we've discovered here in chapter 15. I mean, it's only eight verses, but right. but it's super. Uh, I mean, it's potent. Definitely. You know, because it's halfway through, right? I mean, if where, like, where would you peg this um, as far as timeline of Revelation? Are we at the three and a half year mark? Are we three and quarter? we're yeah? So we have we're past three and a half years. There are some things in terms of the timeline that happen like right at the midpoint, and so I would say this is what is happening at the beginning of the second three and a half years. So all of this is taking place in what would be called the Great Tribulation, which Got is it. that last three and a half years. Yeah. So that's where we are from this point forward as we finish the book of Revelation. And you know, so maybe it would be helpful um, if I did a quick flyover of what I think the the outline of this book is. If you remember months ago, and I don't know why anybody would, but if you do, um, I said that I believe that this book um, follows a very chronological Order that is um, with an outline. Revelation one nineteen, he tells John, "Write those things which you uh, which you see, write those things which are, and write those things which are to come." And then that outline is how this book unfolds. So chapter one, write those things which you are. In chapter one, he sees the resurrected Jesus, which that is what he sees. Like I see that. That's what is literally. It's no longer Jesus just walking on water. It is the resurrected, glorified Jesus. That's what he sees. Then he says, write those things which are present tense. Chapters 2 and 3, the church, uh, seven churches representing the seven epics of church history. It spans the entire globe of church from beginning until end. And uh, and that is the, the the what is like what is right now is that so write those things which you see which is Jesus write those things which are which is the seven letters to the seven churches these seven letters of church history seven epics of it and then he says write those things which are to come and uh, the word are to come is the Greek word metatauta and that word chapter four verse one metatauta it says after these things metatauta after what things after the church history these seven seven churches the church history after these things come up here and I will show you these things which are to take place hereafter again verse one chapter four metatauta the things which are to come and that takes us chapters four and five. And in church, uh, chapters four and five, the church is in heaven. Mm-hmm. They're singing the song of the redeemed, the seven year uh, honeymoon, so to speak, which is where we believe that we will be uh, in that season. And while going on in heaven, we're there. Meanwhile, back on earth, chapter six through 19 is this great tribulation period that Jesus said was going to happen in Matthew 
24, 25, which is where we find ourselves right now in chapter 15. We're getting close, you know, to getting to the meaty part of this. Right. Uh, chapter, end of chapter 19, the, the great millennial kingdom, Jesus comes. Uh, and one of the reasons we, we know that that's a different thing is that Jesus, uh, when it speaks of the rapture and Jesus' return, he comes in the air and takes the church with him. But in chapter 19, he comes back with the church and actually lands on the earth. So it's not the same. Uh, it's the second coming. It's the what he speaks of that last coming. And then chapters, uh, the, the thousand-year millennial reign, chapters uh, 19, 20, 21, 22, we're all in heaven, new heaven, new earth, and we all live happily ever after. Uh, Revelation is really not a hard book to understand. It's, it literally just follows that. So we find ourselves now in chapter 15 in that part of the tribulation. And in verses one here, um, I thought we'd just go through this again. Let's yeah. inv- we, we're inventing expository yeah, preaching, you go. and me, Wayne Gruden. Um, hmm. But he says that I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. Uh, seven angels, seven last plagues, last because with them, God's wrath is completed. And that verse alone just stopped me in my tracks. Because it means that there is a time that God's wrath is done. Just like my wrath, if I'm angry about something, that I, my wrath is completed once the thing that I've been angry about is resolved. When you see wrath in scripture, Tracy, because it's, I mean, the word wrath alone is like 300 times and 200 times it's in reference to God. Like, how do you reconcile that with, with grace and mercy and then wrath simultaneously? Yeah, it's, it's certainly a struggle. I, um, I actually mentor someone, and, and she and I are reading through. Um, she chose Jeremiah, so we're reading through Jeremiah together. She chose Jeremiah. She chose Jeremiah. I was like, <laughs> and I even said, like, really? Like, it's really long. And she's like, no, I'm intimidated by it. I want to try it. So, okay, we did Jeremiah. And one of the questions I sort of give her, like, as you're reading scripture, this is what I want you to look for. And one of the things I have her look for is where do you see God's mercy? And so what happens is you can get bogged down in wrath and judgment. But if you train yourself to look for mercy, it's present in all of his wrath. Hmm. And so when I read something about, like right here, the wrath of God is finished, you go, well, clearly, how, where is their mercy? It's finished. He, he, he doesn't stay a God of wrath. The wrath isn't a continual, eternal uh, state that we see our God in. We see an end to wrath. So it's, it does become challenging, but it is, it, you know, you just learn, like, there's no mercy without wrath. Like, they have to live together. Yeah. So I I agree. And by the way, that's really good advice. Like if you don't hear anything else and you're listening to the deeper podcast today, you can just hit pause and go home now. Look for the mercy. Um because inside of wrath is mercy. Um when so so literally right now, like I mean, I just got this information about an hour ago. Um, maybe two hours ago, the, there are 21 people. We've referred to them before. I think we referred to them on the podcast. I know we talked about them on Sunday, representing four families in Southeast Asia. Uh, and one at a time, they have been shot, uh, not to be killed, but to be maimed, to, to say, hey, if you don't, if you would just turn to Allah, we would quit this. You would just, if you would just. And so part of, you know, of, my anger, my wrath was I wanted to do something about that. And in doing something about that, the mercy is actually for the people who are now not being tortured any longer, who are now, oh, by the way, free. Mm. Because in our wrath, we were told that these guys, uh, they weren't playing ball with us. The kiln owner was being horrible. So, you know, for us, what we would say, kind of, okay, well, then we'll hire lawyers. We'll work with our friends uh, at Global Impact. And if we have to bribe government officials, I don't care. Like, we'll do what it takes because there's mercy in that. And that's in our own criminal justice system. If someone is a serial offender and they are punished for it and then taken out of society, that is not cruel to them. It is merciful to the victim. 
And when we see the people that are here, the, the wrath of God that is about to be complete, even just the people sitting in front of the throne, it says in verse two, and I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire, standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and over its image and over the number of its name. That alone, the beast, the number, the system, Babylon had tortured them, had tortured their families. Had So if the wrath of God is complete, it's merciful to those whom it is protecting it from. Um, there's no secret in our world right now that uh, the Babylonian system, whether you want to call it Russia, America, China, whatever financial, it always ends up because there's humans in the middle of it you know, raping and pillaging the earth, uh, taking God's good creation and destroying it. And if, and wrath would be, I'm now done with this mm-hmm. and it's over. And I was reading this morning in Genesis chapter 15 about the Amorites and I've forgotten about this, but Genesis chapter 15, I think it's around chapter for 16, 15, but it talks about when um, I'm going to do this for you, Abraham. I'm going to give you this, in the, but not yet because the time of the Amorites' wickedness is not completed yet. Mm. And it was basically saying that uh, there's a moment where it's done. I'm going to give you chances. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you 400 right. years to quit doing this. But at some point, it's over. And the Amorites chose not to repent and God in his mercy did what he needed to do to save the rest of the earth. And that's exactly what I see in this. It's such a Western thing. Um, uh, the idea of privilege, <laughs> it's such a point of privilege for us to be offended by the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. And we're, and because we've, we've been, we've been so privileged that we've never had our families shot in the leg uh, because we didn't believe or we wouldn't you know, repent and thank God that he has given us as a church. And by the way, those of you that have continued to donate online, uh, I just got information. There's another family that we just sent the money. They're about to go free. Please, there's three families in prayer. Uh, keep in prayer. We're trying. We've continued. They've yet to be freed. Um, but we're going to continue in our anger, our passion mm-hmm. to continue to want to do something about that. So please keep them in your prayers and know that at some point, just like the Amorites, that God's going to look at the earth and say, okay, this is it. We're done here now. Yeah. I'm going to get, I'm bringing the new heaven. I'm bringing the new earth. And just as he, it's uh, in Peter, when he says, God, you know, God is not slow as some understand slowness. He's right. just patient because right. he wants all of us to come to salvation. And he also is generous and he is not going to force anybody to be there that doesn't want to be there. And he's certainly not going to bring people in there that want to continue to destroy and to harm and to bring destruction into the millennial kingdom and on. And so anyway, that mm. that's what that says to me. What, what yeah. do you, when you see this, like what, what does it land with you? Which part? Uh, just the, the, the sea of glass. <laughs> they're out of there. Oh, uh, this one. Okay, yeah, I got yeah, it. Sorry. Yes. Uh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, I thought I answered that. Sorry, Dan. You did. No, it's good. <laughs> so <laughs> what I what strikes me when we hear about the the uh, they're the martyrs. They're standing there. They're saying his name. They're they're holding harps of God. They're they're saying they were victorious over the beast, victorious over his image and the number of his name. So. We are seeing a hmm. victory in heaven. They were victorious over the beast, but that means they died on earth. Oh, yes. So, yeah. so we think victory, right? like they just rode off into the sunset like right. Elijah. Right. Like, oh, they were victorious. They overcame. They, and it's like, right, because they died, because they died for, for God. They died for Jesus. That's how they overcame. Mm. And so what happens is you see the the victory that they're and the worship that they have it's totally different. It's a heaven heavenly side. It's what they see now that they're on the other side of it. And so what looked like defeat on earth is actually a victory in heaven. 
I think that we get so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good, right? <laughs> and I mean, what you just described is Hebrews 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was um, I, the, the, the entire... So the, the, the faith that I had grown up around, we focused a lot on those who conquered cities who took over nations, like we were, those were the ones we were, like we called it the hall of faith. Right. Um, because Hebrews 11, one says faith comes by hearing, you know, hearing by the word of God. But we, and so we would say then, and we would go right into the, by faith, you can have this and by faith, you can have that. And it, it, most of what our by faith was, was the ones that were the, what felt like a victory on this side of heaven. Right. And then somewhere right about halfway through the chapter, like it doesn't, there's not even a break in the sentence. And it says, oh, and then these guys were eaten by lions and this one was killed by the sword and this one, but all of them were victorious. Right. Yeah. It's actually, there's like a pretty gruesome part. Um, if yeah. I, we never got, see, that's why going through the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse is good because we would skip that part because it didn't seem like as much fun. Yeah. It's, it's Hebrews eleven thirty seven. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. <laughs> they were sawn in two. Ugh. I mean, and they're, they're and, in and the... sawn, not like with a power saw. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Sorry. Oh yes, Darren. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. Mental image. That's my... Yes. There we go. Uh, It says they were tempted, which isn't that interesting. That's right alongside being sawn in two. And then right after that, they were put to death with the sword. So just... And it was all in faith. All in faith. Which which brings us to this, because that's the thing that I think that was... um, The thing that was so important about this chapter to me was how much of this song of the lamb that actually was a part of what did save my faith. Mm. Um, Because again, the Hebrews 11 world said that if I just said it, then I would be healed. And if I didn't, then I didn't have enough faith. That was pretty much the the premise. Yeah. Sounded really good on paper, to be quite honest. People Um, still believe that. Yeah. 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 And it, um, you know, followed to its logical conclusion um, a lot of young people, particularly who have become atheist, have become that because they be- that's what they thought. And then when it didn't happen, then there must not be a God. Right. Or he's not good. Or he's not good, yeah. which is even worse. Yeah. Yeah. And as opposed to the idea that what I believed about him was wrong and that maybe he was actually greater and grander and there's a bigger picture in it. And the, and the song of the lamb is what really... Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't have even known it at the time, but I remember reading it at some point as a younger man and that, that these people that we, that you just referred to would have experienced many of what happened in the Hebrews 11 passage. These folks had a mm-hmm. front row seat to, I mean, you remember how stressful it was when we ran out of toilet paper back yes. in, in March? Like I'm literally scrambling on Amazon trying to find toilet paper. <laughs> like this is what my life has come to as I'm ordering a, a case that didn't come in for like five months. Revelation 6 talks about like a currency, you know, a collapse, uh, runaway inflation, like where toilet paper is the least of your problems because you're not going to have any food, didn't even need toilet paper for. Right. That's what they survived through and then ultimately died in. Right. And so their response in heaven was not like, I need counseling or I need therapy mm. or I need to really unpack this with you, God, because this was not fair what you did. Mm-hmm. They didn't say any of that. And this was the part that that meant a lot to me. And they said it not because they had to, but they sang it because it's it's true. Yeah. And what's true is that great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. This is verse three. Uh, at the end of verse three, just and true are your ways. I think King James is righteous and true are your judgments, King of the nations. And that just simply means that we would look at that and say, oh no, that was actually right. The way that that happened, exactly how it all played out, exactly how it's all playing out right now. So anybody that is wringing your hands and clutching your pearls over what's happening in our political system, righteous and true are your judgments, O God. Whoever is going to be the president of our country, he or she is... God's got his hand in that. Daniel chapter two, he says, I put kings in power and I take them out of power. Now, he, I may not like the guy or the girl that he puts in there, but he has a purpose and a plan. And one day in faith, just like Hebrews 11, we're going to say, 
oh, okay, now I get it. Now I see why. So for you that have been angry about Trump for four years that have literally lost your mind, apoplectic angry, someday you'll look back in heaven standing beside me and say, oh, no, I get that. Now I see why that guy was there. And then if Biden wins and the other half that are apoplectic because the the country hangs in the balance of that same idea, mm-hmm. we're going to say, oh, no, no, I get it now. Oh, righteous and true. But we don't have to wait until heaven to sing that song. Oh, that's good. We can sing it now because it says in Hebrews 11, they saw it. It was something they never saw this side of heaven, but they knew and they, they kept moving forward. And then it says, verse four, who will not fear you, Lord, and uh, and bring glory to your name for you alone are holy all nations will come and worship before you because end of verse four your righteous acts have been revealed Mm -hmm. even the people in southeast asia right now who are in slavery will one day say oh even that i understand Mm -hmm. I didn't understand anybody. And I'm, I mean, Tracy, I don't understand that right now. Yeah. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I know that it's not God's best for us, which is why we fight against it. But those who are not, I mean, because we have a shortage of money and a, sh- a shortage of resources. We will long run out of money before the world runs out of slaves. That's right. And so somebody's not going to get freed this week. Somebody's not going to get freed next month. And they are still going to sing, your righteous acts have been revealed righteous and true are your judgments, O God. Wow. And we can sing it now. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. The people that you're talking to in your circles right now, Tracy, um, I say your circles, like we have different circles, but I guess we do. I think we have different circles. Yeah, that's true. Cause I like, I mean, if nothing else, the yoga circle, Mm -hmm. um, we just say, um, I'm just kidding. Oh, we yeah. don't. We no, don't you do like that. tie yourself in knots. <laughs> Look, I, I got nothing but respect. We, um, on one of the tours we were on, um, Sharon Ag, she was the wife of Adam Ag, lead singer of our, one of our bands. She was, um, uh, Yogi, is that Yogi? what uh-huh. Yogi, okay. Cause that's where I was from. That was a bear, but, um, <laughs> But she she brought out like the yoga mats on the tour. I, I think it. I, okay, so don't quote me, but I think it was Mercy Me, Audio Adrenaline, and Cutlass was the tour. And she brought out the yoga mats. So uh, on, on the one hand, you'd have these guys from Pillar, and they're over there lifting weights. You know, just a bunch of you know beefy guys. Whatever. Yep. But I'm telling you what, I spent like one day on the yoga mat with those people, and I'm like, I got nothing but respect for what you guys do. <laughs> like it was the hardest thing that I have ever ever done. So yeah, I would say you probably are in different yeah, circles. Different circles, different uh, circles. How, how are people f- like, okay. So like right now we're facing a, an election that's fascinating. Sure. We are facing, um, this pandemic as well as then the politicization of that, like the people that you're interacting with right now, where are their biggest fears, pain points? Like wh- how are you speaking into their lives right now? I would say right now, more than coronavirus is the election. It's it's front and center with everyone. What's interesting to me is I'm not hearing a lot of talk on specific candidates or specific parties. Interesting. I'm just hearing a lot of, we've just got to get past this election. Like It feels like so many things have been made political that... If we, there's just this sense of like, I just want to get to the other side of it. I don't even care what the answer is anymore. Interesting. I just want to get to the other side of it so that if something like the coronavirus or anything else is being used as a political tool, is there, it's being taken advantage of, Uh then maybe we can get beyond that. Maybe we can get on the other side of that. So there's just, I think there's a fear of disinformation. There's all this misinformation. And you just think if we could just get past the election and and people aren't fighting for their jobs in Washington anymore, then maybe it will subside. I think in some respects, it's a little futile. I think we're still going to be... <laughs> it's pretty naive, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we're still going to be divided, but there's all this, this yeah. sense of hope that like maybe after next week, and then you start going, well, what if it doesn't happen Tuesday? And what if it's a week from that Tuesday and another, you know, a month after election? Yeah. Like then it's just, you. I just feel like we're, we had Corona fatigue and maybe we're still living in a little bit a little of Corona bit. fatigue. Yeah. And then like it almost feels like we're going to find political fatigue and and then i just hear like come to me all you who are weak and yeah. 
burdened and I'll give you rest. I feel like the Lord is telling me, like, I'm going to give you rest. Yeah. And I don't think that's just like my physical body. I think there's a lot of fatigue going on right now. Yeah, I guess that... um as I think through it, so I, even as a kid, I was a political junkie, which is kind of weird to admit now, but I mean, I loved Reagan. I love whatever, <laughs> like a 10 year old Reagan guy, but I, um, I found myself joining the thought process of a lot of people, which is 2020 is the problem. If we could just get to 2021, right, now, right. you know, and it wasn't that long ago that it occurred to me, there isn't like some egg timer that when we're in 2021, that now this will all be over. Now, I understand the sentiment because everybody went into 2020 and, you know, I, I, I feel bad for the, uh, like the churches that I grew up in around, maybe you did or not, but these to every January, there'd be the word for the new year, you know, mm-hmm. here's the word. And I, I, I feel bad for the pastors that were like 2020, clear vision of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, that didn't age well. But I feel like th- that in the the sooner I let go of my hope being this election, of my hope being this epidemiologist, of my hope being this thing. I mean, first of all, you know, when we, th- we even when you think about nationalism, that's kind of arrogant. Mm-hmm. Like our country. I mean, we, we have been blessed as a country 100%. I, I'm so grateful for where we are. But God has not exalted the United States above any other country. It is only he, right, that is exalted. And it says here, every nation, all the kings will come and worship him, including people from our country. And the sooner I get past that, I feel like where I've uh, even feel like for 2021, for where our church is supposed to go, is to stop uh, fighting the wrong battles. Like, I feel like I've spent an enormous amount of energy on things that don't uh, eternally matter, if, we, if we've only got so many hours in a day, um, do we shrink back and do we wait and do we hold up until they get a vaccine? Do we shrink back and hold up until we get an election? And then, because, I mean, you know as well as I do right now, this this is different. They're mailing in balance right now. This The idea of even election day is kind of a joke because it's been an election month right. here. People have been voting for weeks That's and true. weeks and weeks. And and meanwhile, the rhetoric has been ramped up. But whatever happens on that election day, it's entirely plausible that we won't know for days and maybe mm-hmm. weeks and maybe months. And when I think, okay, one day I'm going to know for sure, and we'll say righteous and true were your judgments. And what do we do in the meantime, which is sing that song, righteous yeah. and true are your judgments, oh God. And we're going to continue to go forward. We're going to continue to make sure that the gospel is in the nations. We're going to continue to free as many slaves as we can. We're going to continue to free as many addicts as we can. Mm-hmm. We're going to speak the truth. You know, one of the things that I did feel like the Lord doubled down on in our hearts was that I need to be very careful about who we even let teach on a Sunday. You know, you're going to be teaching in a few weeks. Donna has taught his teaching. It's, it's, it's lots of different interpretations of scripture, whatever. But the, the the Bible, we want someone with high views of scripture. That has to be because the one thing we see over and over again in here is awake up, be awake, don't right. be deceived. And so even this deeper podcast has, was a part of that, us putting a flag in the ground and saying, in addition to freeing slaves, uh, in addition to feeding the poor and clothing, all that stuff from Matthew 24, 25, written in an end times context, mm-hmm. was right beside that was teaching the truth and not being deceived. And it's our job to to tell the truth, to speak uh, the truth. I was, I, I was reminded that even what we're seeing right now, because I, I do believe we're going to see this in our lifetime, maybe in the next season of life. That because it, it's already started, social media companies have already begun to censor uh, speech, things that we've said that they think is true or untrue, and uh, and some of that speech has been um, m- most of it right now has been political. But I've had a handful of people and friends that have also been censored for biblical context with it, and it means that you know we have wow. to speak even louder. It's not a new thing, right? The, 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 it's an old trick for Satan to, mm-hmm. um, as far back as Babylon, which we're, we saw in chapter uh, 15 or 14, drunk on the wines of her adultery. Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, 
would not allow them to read anything that he didn't approve. He wouldn't allow them to hear anything that he didn't approve. They could only worship what he approved. They were burning. I mean, it was literally him saying, this is, it's censorship. That was like George Orwell. Like, I don't know if he channeled the Holy Spirit or if it was just Satan going, oh, this is actually my trick. So I'll write a best-selling book on what I've been doing for centuries. It's what they do in China. It's what they do in the USSR. It's, and I would say to this, if you're listening to this right now, if, if a powerful organization or government organization is trying to censor it, you probably should read it because there's probably a reason you aren't supposed to read it. Uh, and it's to decentralize their power. But for us, this podcast, this Bible revelation, the whole thing is important for us uh, because one day his righteous acts will be revealed, including, by the way, what we're seeing right now. I mean, as mad as I am about Facebook and Twitter censoring these things, one day we'll know why and that God, you know, it was all part of something that God was doing. And in the meantime, we're just going to keep speaking the truth and keep speaking the truth and know that when you poke a dragon in the butt, it doesn't make him happy Uh and be prepared for, you know, the fire that, uh, that might come. And in verse five, his righteous acts are revealed. And after this, John says, I looked and I saw in heaven the temple that is the tabernacle of the covenant law. And it was open. Do you think that there's a literal temple slash tabernacle in heaven or is it metaphor because the Bible does say that the tabernacle on earth was a, was an image of what's in heaven. Yeah, it's shadow. Hebrews. I actually had a note here. It's Hebrews 8, 5, and it says Moses constructed the tabernacle according to the pattern. So, like, he was given a pattern uh, while he was on Sinai. So, I, I, today, I do believe there is. I do believe all of the articles, the the lava, the, the menorah, like everything that was in that original tabernacle, right. holy, I believe all of that is in heaven. Right. I do too. I think there were two. I think it was in heaven, and I think man constructed replicas. Yeah. And so with a new heaven and a new earth, like a new Jerusalem, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a fast... Fascinating yeah. thought. It's a tricky thing. Um, the millennial temple that we see in Ezekiel, which you know, this this is for a future discussion. They're they're going to do sacrifices, but they are not going to return to the Mosaic law. It is something completely different. So um, that's important, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. We yeah. Can, that could be later on. It, well, it could be, but the, but they also <laughs> sang the song of Moses. I guess that's yeah. It's so. I first off, I love the reference to Moses that we see the song of Moses, which by the way, if I can just go back, yeah. Did you read the song of Moses? Like I know it's too long to really go through here. Yeah, it's it's long. it's not a happy song. No. It's not a Yeah, like it starts out pretty strong yeah. and it just devolves. Yeah, it's like, not like God is good and we love God and we praise him and he takes care of us. It's like you're bad and you're gonna you're gonna rebel against him and I mean it there's a lot of dark stuff. Yeah. In the Song of Moses. Which was interesting because the very last verse of it, it's almost like, so that's why maybe there was two different songs, right? Because the Song of Moses was about, uh, at one point, somewhere about halfway through, it talks about the the wrath uh, like of Sodom and Gomorrah and the yes. sin and the... Um, and, and how much damage that it was doing to, to his creation and to his people. And I love it because even he actually, uh, which if you were a, a good God-fearing Jewish person, this line probably would have even offended you. But somewhere at the last verse, I think it's verse 43 at the very, whatever the last verse is, he actually says then that he is going to provide the atonement for all of those sins we just read about, that it would not be man atoning. Because any place else in the world, you atone for your own sins. Like if I do this, I'm, I need to make atonement for what I have done. But it's like, after all those sins, like, there is no atonement. Like, you can't atone That's for right. the amount of sin that mankind has done in thousands of years of the history of humanity. Right. So the only way to atone for it would be God himself atoning for it. And the Song of the Lamb yeah. is God atoning for yeah. it. It's So just if you were um, listening to this and you're curious, the Song of Moses is in Deuteronomy 32. And uh, and it says, like, in 31, like, here's the song, and you're going to teach it to everyone, and they're all going to sing it. And it's 43 verses of—it's um, a lot of it is, is like, their, their history. 
Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But that's the very last line. And it, it says, he will atone for his land and his people. people. And so that just sets up the lamb, the song of the lamb. Like, I, mm. like, like it's one of those movies, then you kind of go, well, what happened here? They left something undone. Like, God will not leave anything undone. Like, everything that was started gets finished. And even the song of Moses begins, and it's almost like in the song of the lamb is, is the rest of the song is like the next part of it. And he will atone. And then we have... You know this verse: "Great and marvelous are your works." Like right. you can go right into it, which just fits it. And what fits I, it? What's cool is that um, on that last verse, verse forty-three. Yeah, he says, "Rejoice, O!" And he doesn't say, "O Israel," right? Rejoice, o, but rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, mm-hmm. the Jewish people, mm-hmm. which would have been heresy then, right? Right? That the Jews and the Gentiles, but from the beginning, the Jewish people, the Pharisees that Jesus was talking to, this wasn't, shouldn't have been brand new information to the Jewish people. God had always had it on his heart That's for right. all nations and tribes and tongues. And so, at the end of verse, uh, or the beginning of verse forty-three, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. He'll avenge uh, the blood of his servants, uh, render vengeance to his adversaries, which we're seeing, you know, it's, it makes sense why they would be singing the song of Moses, because yeah. this is what God is That's doing. That's right. And then he will provide atonement, which goes right into the Lamb. That's We're right. providing atonement for so us. So good. And in front of that throne, everybody from every nation, they were all singing, it's the promise. Yeah. You know, we kind of take it for granted because we are, um, we were born and raised in America, mm-hmm. you know, in a Christian home or whatever, but... But even you know today to, to most uh, traditional Jewish uh, Orthodox Jews, this that's still pretty offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that he would reach outside of that—that that it is a Jewish uh, thing—and it was obviously and completely offensive. Um, I mean, that was the early church almost had a split over, yeah, you know, right? Could they be saved? Could the, right. G- could the Gentiles be saved? And okay, they would have to then be circumcised to be saved. And that has to be the, you know, which that's not a great way to invite anybody to sure, church. That's sure. not going on anybody's <laughs> mailing postcard. But, but the Lord had always had it in His mind that every nation, tribe, and tongue—it's not His will that any should perish. I just finished uh, Run with Horses. The Eugene Peterson book on Jeremiah, it's so good. But he makes the comment, because in Jeremiah, there's several chapters, and it's it's a message to other nations. It's a message to Moab. It's a message to Egypt. And Peterson makes the point, like, he is a God of nations. Like, it's clear in the Bible that he's not just the God of Israel— or and then you're it's all nations and he's wow. always been reaching out to all the nations yeah. even even in the old testament he's still the god of nations yeah. so and you, it's right here too it's so comforting and it's so it's why it's why we do what we do at conduit it's why so many do what they do it's why paul did i mean it's literally mm-hmm. why paul did what he did he poured out his life as a jewish man who, who, by the way, was probably the most qualified ever to reach the Jewish people, and God sends him to the Gentiles, uh, which had been a, probably a pretty bitter pill to swallow. But then one day, it'll all be clear yeah. that it was always supposed to be that way, which is why we know even this to this day, like when you hear about racism, when you hear about uh, – it's it's demonic. Um, and, and it exists in America. Right. It exists in Pakistan, it exists in Africa, it existed in ancient Israel, and it's demonic um, because even from the beginning, God, you know, Satan wanted to divide and conquer, but God wants to unite and and, and, and redeem mm-hmm. the exact opposite of it, which is why when you see his righteous acts, he looks out the temple, verse 6, and out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues, which, you know, that's the part where maybe I'll let you teach that, Tracy. I'll just let you just do all <laughs> the next chapters. I'm going to go fly fishing. Um, but they were, it, and we laugh, but I promise we're going to get into that. And we're going right. to find, yeah. we're going to look for the mercy and all of that. And God's mercy is going to be there. But it says they were dressed in clean. So these seven angels with the seven plagues, they were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around uh, their chests. And then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. What in the world does that mean, I know, Tracy? Right. Well, point, <laughs> put something interesting. Um, 
if you know, we see the mark of the beast in the chapter mm. previous, which it just says the number of his name is six six six. And if you look here in chapter fifteen, we see seven angels with seven plagues and in seven bowls. And so it's like God's counter is seven seven seven. So if you're one of those number people yeah, which and you is, like Yeah, with the Bible's full of it. Full of it. And a lot of people are really kind of drawn to to numerology and they love to look at the numbers in the word of God. Like right. there's a seven seven seven. There's a perfect response to um, the mark of the beast. I think when I when I first look at at the finishing verses of this chapter, when you see um, clothed in linen, clean, bright, mm. uh, we see holiness. I, I am seeing holiness in the in the end of this in this uh, chapter. So it, it hmm. speaks to the. It's like we talk about God's wrath, but I think it was Sproul who said. But holiness is like everything God does, He does in a holy way. It's like holy wrath, holy judgment, holy mercy. And so you just, you see there's a holiness Hmm. here. And especially when you talk about the tabernacle, we see like they're coming out of it, the holy of holies, the place where only the high priest one day a year could go in, you know, because it was right. so holy. And yet it's holiness that's coming out of it, but it's wrath. It's there's it's fascinating when I really think of Because it does have a vibe to it of a theme in, in, in scripture, a theme of, of of Moses going to the mountain and smoke covered the mountain. Yeah. And, and nobody could go there and with and live right because it, and it's not that god is um mean it's that that literally is that it will his holiness is so holy that it would literally overpower and crush and kill yeah. us and you know that was the theme from uh from genesis uh, to exodus to leviticus i mean the whole thing yes and so when you see it coming out of the temple it's not it's 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 almost like the idea is that here's this holiness coming out, and when the holiness of God is finally released on the earth, if you are not in Christ, then you will be crushed. Right. He has restrained His holiness. He has restrained it from us so that we won't be crushed. And I am struck by uh, the idea that nobody could go in there until these seven plagues were completed. Mm-hmm. The, the perfect wrath. So in other words, the the the, the fulfillment. It's done. It's over. And the problem for us would be that none of us are righteous. None of us, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and the glory right here, the the kavod, the, the weight, the smoke. The, yes, you know, yes. We've all fallen short of that, that we would be crushed mm. um, if we were not in white dressed in his righteousness with his gold sash around just the way these angels are presented. And again, when you look for the mercy in this, we are not going to be crushed. That's right. Um, God's righteousness being released unfettered into the world and into the universe. Um, it's almost like, you know, the, a tsunami, you know, that happened in, in uh, 2005 and that, that tsunami, when it came, it killed everybody in its path. Mm-hmm. Anybody that wasn't, and it's um, the, the tsunami of God's glory coming on the earth. If we're not in a protected place, it'll just wash over us and, and, and crush us. You know, the one thing that wasn't, by the way, crushed or killed in the tsunami were uh, fish because they live in that environment. Like that was their perfect environment. And so this is a very crass metaphor, but the glory of God, that is our native habitat now. Mm. And so we will be able to live perfectly in it only because that Jesus took that cup of wrath and drank it for us on our behalf. Uh, so that Matthew 28, I believe when it says that, that the temple, what it speaks of here, that the, the temple veil was torn from right. top to bottom mm-hmm. meant that we now could all go in there because the wrath of God was completed. Yeah. And so either the wrath of God is going to be completed on the cross for us, or the uh, wrath of God is going to be completed on us in death, the wages of sin is death. That's right. And those are the options. Yeah. You know, it's um, the lovingness of God is that 
I mean, he loved us so much that he would actually become one of us so that he could shelter us from it. I really do get tired of the, the Richard Rohr statement. I'm, I'm, he's probably a great guy. I don't know. Who knows? Grandkids probably love him, right? He's probably a good guy. But the idea, like when I hear him say that the wrath of God, you know, because he'll, he'll sort of cast it at this um, idea of that. Well, the, think about how sick God would be, that the wrath of God, that he has to kill his only son just so he can love you. That That's the, the quote that he has mm. said. But that's not at all what the Bible said. The Bible said that he didn't put his wrath on his son so that he could love you. It was because he loved you and he wanted so badly to get to you that he would do that. And there's so much mercy and grace in that for us mm-hmm. that he chose, that he allowed, that he is inviting and he continues to invite anybody, anybody who would come unto him, all who are thirsty, right? All his, right, he right. don't want anyone to perish. That's right. And, and at the same time, he's not going to force anybody. Right. And so that's why the, the wrath and, and the mercy here coexist once again yeah. in the temple. Right. What's in the Holy of Holies? Mercy seat is yeah. over. It, that's what's on top of the ark. It's the mercy seat. So mercy's yeah. right there. You know, one of the things, um, I wish Jason Kuhn were with us today because he's, he's shared this uh, idea that the, the place where they think that the Ark of the Covenant, if there's any place on earth, if the Ark of the Covenant still exists on earth, the one place, have you heard this? You tell me, I'll tell you, and then you tell me if you've heard it. The only place that they think that it could exist is where it would be hidden is under the mountain where the cross in Jerusalem would have been. So what they have commemorated where the cross is, and that on that mountain, which is mountain, which we do know that, like that, they, they believe that's the mountain where, uh, where the, the law was given. They believe, you know, but the point being that where the blood from the cross would have dripped would have been on the spot where the mercy seat was located. Oh, wow. Now, I 100% don't know if that's true. I know God is big enough and into the details enough mm-hmm. that it could be. Mm-hmm. And it would be just like God to orchestrate even that most minor detail but what we do know is true is that there was a mercy seat and that the blood of the lamb was sprinkled on that mercy seat right. so that we then could go into the temple and into the holy of holies to live for an eternity the way we were meant to live. That's right. I mean, the idea of me, first of all, the idea of me going on forever the way I am now. I mean, even my wife would be like, yeah, I don't, you know, at some point there's enough. <laughs> at some point, I've just had enough of that. But even in my own life, like that, there are things where I think, okay, God is redeeming this and he's, he's, he's changing this about me and I'm growing here. But then this other thing, I just want to not be going on for an eternity like that doesn't feel like any fun at all. But going on for an eternity, being the way that we were created to be, being with who we were created to be with by the one we were created by. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of makes me homesick. Mm-hmm. Um, heaven doesn't sound uh, like a buzzkill. Like it's actually this glorious idea. And, you know, just like a good home construction, you know, God's going to have to switch some stuff around, bulldoze the place down and rebuild. Uh, re- basically all that we've done as humans and man, all the, th- the consequences of all of our sins, paid for and then the consequences dealt with so that we can then go into yeah this thousand year millennial reign and a new heaven and a new earth and i'm kind of looking forward to that oh yeah i think more now than ever uh i i tell people like jesus will come and he will reign the earth like he will be a a tangible person on the earth, and he will reign. And all of the, it tells us the people of nations will come and they will make offerings to him. Yeah. Like that, we're going to see that. I, I long for that day. I think um, not only reading what's coming, but living in the world we're living in now, it just makes me long for Jesus, pray, Jesus come, you know, Hosanna. Like I feel that yeah. so strongly in my heart these days more than ever. Yeah, I do too. And it's, you know, one of the things that we talked about early on in when the lockdowns began and there was just a lot of uncertainty and unsettlement. And I really felt like what the Lord was showing me about me and then maybe about others was that the feeling that I felt was I was actually grieving the world that I thought I lived in. Mm. Um, 
and I'm a guy that's seen like crazy stuff. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I didn't think I was naive. I don't know what I thought, but, but the grieving of, you know, that I could go there, but I always got to come back home again. So I could be in these most remote places and see some horrible things. But I let, I mean, you're in my home. I'm blessed with this beautiful home and beautiful neighborhood. And so I, I sort of had this idea of the world that I lived in and this control that I, that I yeah. thought I had, which is really hilarious now, uh, the control that I thought that I had and, and the gift of that, of his righteous acts being revealed to me even was like revealing maybe even some of the, my own idolatry that yeah. I had in that. And the danger of, um, in second Timothy, Paul chapter four, he's writing about his uh, friends and he says, Hey, send for Luke, do this. And John Mark get this wet, but, but he's, there's that Demas, right? There's, there's always, there's the who's who of scripture. And then there's the, who's that of scripture. And Demas is a, who's that, yeah. but Demas, it says, uh, abandoned me because he loved this world. And, you know, when you read that initially, a younger Darren would have thought, well, he loved partying. He loved beer bongs. He loved whatever. But that's not what he said. He said he loved this world. And the conviction that I felt was, I love this world. Mm. I really love it. Not in a, like, I don't want to be a buzzkill and say, well, you can't like enjoy God's creation. I'm, I'm literally flying to Montana in two days and I'm going to be gobsmacked with, the, with creation and that. But I love this world. I love the highways that we drive on. I love the... The, the government that we have. I love the control that I thought we had. You know, I just love that stuff. And God has revealed it in some idolatry in me that I had to repent of and say, okay, I'm grieving what I thought I had. And now though, I'm actually, now that I, you know, this, whatever the stages of grief, uh, grief I've gone from anger, <laughs> <laughs> negotiating, <laughs> and I have now moved into acceptance. Um, but I, the, the people that, I don't know if you know this or not, I just learned this, but the, the two people that wrote the, the five stages of grief, they actually, the, the guy that wrote that, uh, the co-writer uh, years and years and years later says that there's a, a sixth layer level. And that is giving purpose and meaning to what happened and doing something about it. Um, just, just read that just maybe a year ago. I'm like, okay, so that's my sixth level of grief here for this world. I'm grieving what I thought I had, but now we're going to give this purpose and we're going to give it meaning. Um, you know, I said it on Sunday, my wife, I think she, my wife keeps a running list of words. I'm not allowed to say next Sunday. Uh, so when I said COVID can suck it (laughs) on Sunday, she's like, maybe, maybe we don't say that again. Uh, but what I meant from, was from, I think a good part in my heart was, um, we're not back. We're not backing down where the world is what it is. We're accepting the reality of it. And we are now also accepting the reality of the power of the, of the, the supernatural power of God that dwells within each of us. We're going to speak the truth. We're going to teach. And if Jesus doesn't return soon, then history will judge us the way history judges people who stand up and are courageous in scary times. Right. Uh, that's what I want for our legacy and I am honored because I feel very fortunate because I feel like I'm pastoring a church full of people who are right there uh, with me. I, you know, I know that you, Tracy, are not backing down. Like you are not watering down the scriptures. You are still doing exactly what God has called you to do. We are surrounded by those people. And that's what I, I want to one day be singing, righteous and true your judgments yes. of God. And the next thing I want to do is uh, we'll have campfires in heaven and we'll tell the war stories of what happened here, this side of heaven. Tracy, what are your last thoughts? So we're at the end of chapter 15. I, I have to say this. It's stupid. It's goofy. But every time I hear righteous and true, my brain remembers precious and few. Huh. From, was that the Moody Blues? Yeah. Song? yeah. So it just turns into a melody. Like, That's actually not bad, though. Anyway, so righteous you, and true, but in my brain, it's like precious and few. But maybe <laughs> those go together. forever for me now. Yeah. Yeah, or, maybe, or maybe you didn't ruin it. Maybe you made yeah. it better. <laughs> but um, yeah, maybe maybe then that goes together. I, I love that you said maybe we'll be in, in heaven and we'll tell campfire stories and... Uh, I think what we would say is, can you believe how we overreacted? Can you believe how upset yes. we got over that? Can you believe how worried we were over that? Like, I, I think right now, my moments of repentance come from, hmm. I I forget God is God. I forget He's in control. And, and I start worrying. And then it's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I forgot. 
you're working this out. You're yeah. faithful. You're, I'm not forsaken. Like, and you just get caught up in in the the distraction of the world. And yeah. um, I think to know that at the end of it, we're all going to say, "Righteous and true are your ways." Yeah. And it's not just for eternity. It's for today. Righteous and true are His ways today. Right now, we see through a glass darkly. But that, to your point, that doesn't mean I can't sing this song right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we truly believe. And we, we, how could we it's not? It's in believe? our brain. Yeah. It's just got to make it to our heart oh, yeah. and make it into our actions. Yeah, because how could we not believe that the God of the universe, okay, who did what Jesus did, we we know He's good. Like we can't. It's like it's non-negotiable. Because no God would do that otherwise. He would just snuff us out and start it over again. I probably that's probably what I'd have done. Mm-hmm. But He didn't because. You know, I, I've, I've thought about that before. He could just snuff it out, stop right now. And I actually would never know because I wouldn't have been here and I wouldn't have known that I wasn't here. But he would know. And he loves me enough, mm-hmm. loves you enough that mm-hmm. he didn't snuff it out because he he would have known that you weren't there and he would have known what you were missing out on. And I do think that that's the peace that passes all understanding. Right. And I am just believing. I'm seeing it right now. You don't see it because obviously CNN or The Atlantic or New York Times, they're not going to report this stuff because it doesn't sell papers. But, man, God is on the move. There are revival moments breaking out all over the world, including the United States. 30,000 people were worshiping on the Capitol steps over the weekend. You don't see that anywhere. I mean, I, actually, I was surprised just because they would have made they would have called it a super spreader event or whatever. I thought they would have at least said that. But all over the world, God is bringing. He is the. It's like the harvest has begun. Donna talked about a couple weeks ago about the barley harvest. We talked about the wheat harvest and the grape harvest, but Jesus also spoke of the barley harvest, which is the one that we're involved with on this side of heaven. And it's happening. Mm. 19,500 people made decisions to follow Jesus in uh, uh, South Asia last week. So good. Pastors, churches are popping up. That's just in one nation. I could tell you stories from North Africa, from East Africa, every nation, tribe, and tongue. God is on the move. And obviously, uh, Satan is not... uh, thrilled about that. And in fact, one of the passages here, it says, because he knows his time is short. That was one of the reasons why Satan was beginning to escalate right. what he was doing. And so, so just know this, if you're listening to us uh, right now, that Jesus wants you to be a part of the barley harvest, not the wheat harvest. The barley harvest is the one that's happening now before the return of Jesus to rapture, to take us away for that seven years that we spoke of. And I want you to be there with us. And I uh, pray that if that's you, that you you, you would literally right now where you are, r- repent. And it, repent just means cha- I'm changing my mind. I'm calling upon the name of the Lord and believing that he is the one that uh, has come to seek and to save. Like there's this th- prayer that you, I, you know, I could get you to recite a prayer, but the best prayer is you get on your knees and just tell God from your heart, save me. And he will answer that prayer. Um, if you want someone to pray with you for whatever, email us info at conduitchurch.com. Um, some of you have been doing that. We've been able to send people to pray with you. We are honored to do that. Honored to get to just put you in. You just got a prayer request. You want someone to call you and pray with you. We have a prayer, just a group of prayer warriors. They meet every Tuesday morning at our church and I may grab hold of the throne of grace send in your request there. We'd be glad to pray for you. If you want to help us continue to free slaves, if you want to help us pay for our schools in Uganda, all those things, we are just so grateful that you've trusted us with your generosity. 100% of that will go right back out to to change in the world. You can do that at conduitchurch.com. Tracy, I just feel that. Would you pray for us before we go today? I know that's not something we haven't really made a habit of on the podcast, but I just feel led to sure, would you I'd pray love for to. us. 
I'd love to. Heavenly Father, I thank you for being a God of nations, the God who sees us all, who created us all, and who longs for all of us to come to know you as you, Lord, know each one of us. We cannot fathom um, your mercy, Lord. And in spite of what we see around us, all the questions and all of the division, Lord, we know you are sovereign. We know you are in control. And forgive us, Lord, for looking around for solutions when the solution lies only in you, God. May we all turn up to you. May we look to you. May we turn our hearts to you. And may we simply surrender to your spirit and be a unified people who are following the Lord through your son, Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. May we recognize who he is, the Messiah, the one who came to save us, to redeem us, that we may know you. In his name I pray. Amen. 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 And Tracy, where can they find you online? They can find me at Tracy Rogers Ministry. I'm on Facebook, or you can find that as a website. You can email me, info at tracyrogersministry.com. And Tracy is spelled? Tracy with an E, yes. Rogers, no D. Yeah, make sure you get that on there, because I've, I've messed up a couple times. So so yeah, I would encourage you to do that and to uh, listen to her teachings and her writings are, are available there as well. So thank you guys for being with us. Continue to pray, pray for our nation, pray for our government. But most, the prayer that I just keep praying is the prayer that John prayed at the end of Revelation chapter 22, which is, even so, Lord, come quickly, Mm. come, Lord. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.